This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Today we're talking to a very prominent voice in the safety space, particularly if you're in the new view, old view kind of debate, the one and only Dr. Rob Long. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit that subscribe button bell follow share whatever button it is that does something magical on the algorithm today we're talking to the amazing the legendary the controversial rob long he's got lots to say and had very good chat actually really really enjoyed it even though a lot of the stuff is quite provocative and hey Aren't we all sometimes? So it was a really good chat. I was a little bit nervous about this one, but actually I really enjoyed this chat. And uh, I'm looking forward to you all hearing it, looking forward to you all listening and getting your feedback. And uh, wonder to, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you say. What do you think about it? Before we do that, though, it's a quick message from Paradigm Human Performance HSE Subscription Service, the sponsors of Rebound and Safety Podcast and YouTube channel. Their HSE Subscription Service is not your everyday off-the-shelf compliance system. Paradigm are human performance experts. So this is a system that puts worker safety of the DNA, but it also builds you that strong foundation of compliance. It ticks those boxes, regulatory and industry compliance. This is a system that's going to have hot woven throughout it. So you're not going to have to come back to this in a couple of years and declutter it. It's a perfect solution for those small, medium-sized enterprises that are just juggling balls all the time. Sometimes safety falls by the wayside. If this sounds like the right solution for you, give them a call on the phone number in the description below or drop them an email using the email in the description below as well. If you're still not sure, you can go to their website, find out some more about them, sign up to the Learning Organization webinar on their website as well, which is an outstanding resource. Just an amazing team of people. I absolutely love what they do. I'm involved in so much of what they do. They're an outstanding company. Teresa, the flagship, the leader, the founder of that organization, is an amazing person. So thank you very much, Paradigm, for partnering with us and letting us tell our listeners about the amazing work that you guys are doing. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with the amazing Dr. Rob Long. Right, Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Why don't you, for those that might not know you, just give yourself an introduction and then we'll, uh, we'll get into a chat from there. Okay. Um, well, my name's Robert Long. I live in Australia in a place called Canberra, which is the capital. Most people know Sydney and Melbourne, but Canberra is halfway between each city. I've lived here for quite some time, <clears throat> and uh, I've had numerous careers over my life. I'm now nearly 68 <clears throat> and in the process of kind of retiring. Although the demands are quite strong, I'm kind of handing over to other people who I've mentored over a long period of time. <clears throat> I, I run three companies. I, I have a training company called Human Dimensions. I have a uh, academic company called the Centre for Leadership and Learning and Risk. And I'm the founder of a, of a discipline of uh, social psychology called the Social Psychology of Risk. 
And so uh, apart from that, um, I'm a, a husband to my wife, Helen, over 48 years. Um, I have uh, four of my own children and five grandchildren. And uh, in my retirement time, <clears throat> uh, those kinds of things are keeping me fairly busy. And then most of the time now I'm either coaching or Zooming or, or whatever. But since COVID, uh, I've stopped all face-to-face -face, um, stuff. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's kind of worked out fine because I've got uh, lots of other people who, are, who I've mentored who are actually doing face-to-face -face stuff um, throughout Australia. So, yeah, that might be uh, an introduction enough unless yeah. you want to know about websites or books I've written or things like that. But um, if can, you search um, me online, I'm easy to find if you search online. <clears throat> well, and, and at the end as well, we'll um, we'll give you an opportunity to kind of shout out to stuff like that. So if people want to find you, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, talk about that, that stuff. They'll anyway. find it. Yeah. yeah. Find it. How, how have you been through COVID? Have you survived it pretty well, hopefully? Well, Australia uh, is quite unique, um, not just because it's an island, but because initially with COVID about a year and a half ago, um, the country shut down <clears throat> and we kept COVID out. But then lots of expat Australians wanted to return. And that proved very problematic because we don't have enough quarantine facilities. We only have one in the middle of nowhere that takes about, uh, about 2,000 people at a time. And there's something like 60,000 Australians want to come home for some reason. I've got no idea. <laughs> and uh, when they come home, they bring, uh, they bring COVID with them. So we have all these outbreaks and lockdowns. But at the moment, by and large, the, the country is uh, COVID-free and we get little breakouts and then we lock down and everyone's back at home. But nothing like in the UK. We don't have anything like, you know, 50,000 cases a day or whatever you guys are getting there. So it's a completely different uh, culture, I guess, and a yeah. completely different circumstance. And um, I have no idea where it's going to go, but everyone's trying to get madly vaccinated at the moment yeah we, that give we're, we're more kind of dealing with this are we dealing with it i think most people are just kind of getting vaccinated but i think there's an ever-growing argument around the vaccine more than what i've ever seen uh before yeah. which yeah. is interesting and now and now we've got this unique kind of uh, is it a moral dilemma maybe maybe like a moral dilemma in that companies talking about the vaccine and 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 what yep. we should do as a company with the vaccine which is really a, a, dis, a discussion I don't, I don't think anyone ever expected to have in the workplace well we've got the same here and uh the idea of mandating a, a vaccine for employment or a vaccine for travel um i can't see that being very far away mm. maybe here, here it'll only be a couple of months and I think despite the protests, I think um, the idea of a mandated vaccine uh, will probably come about uh, in certain circumstances uh, it, because even when we have, <clears throat> have such a, a light pressure of COVID here, our hospitals at the moment are under complete stress. You know, right. just the, the medical system is completely stressed and... Uh, it, it adds enormous pressure to the economy. So there'll, yeah. I think there'll be economic arguments yeah. uh, 
whether they're moral arguments, I don't know. But there's a small fringe of people who, who kind of crusade on the, you know, my right to choice thing and all that sort of stuff. But mm. I don't know where it will go. <clears throat> no, I think it'll be, I think it'll be mandated in the end. Yeah, it's it's we're kind of on a bit of a half-assed approach. Let employers employers kind of make the decision for themselves, and in some cases, the government have taken over, and then in some cases, it's it's kind of yeah, like you can't go to a club. Not that I'm going to clubs, if I'm honest, but like you can't go to a club and stuff like that. Is it? It's interesting. Interesting. Well, it's Something not I likely. Never I'd discuss. Well, it puts Tory governments in particular tension because. The Tory ideology over its history has been resistant to that kind of thing mm. and very much, you know, trying to laissez-faire economics. Mm. But mm. you can't practice laissez-faire economics in this current condition. So it'd be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, we've got a Tory government at the at the moment here in Australia, and they're getting absolute they're absolutely hammered. They're just getting belted everywhere. So it'll be interesting to see whether whether even Boris Johnson can maintain his uh, popularity over over the time or not, time, only time will tell. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's if you like studying ideologies and how they work out practically, there are lots to look at. Mm, yeah, I bet, I bet. Yeah, mm. next general election will be very interesting. There, and <clears throat> like not like we've had boring general elections for the last couple of years. Anyway. Yeah, well, depends. <laughs> Depends. It depends how capable the opposition is and how well they can articulate mm. their their position. Uh, they haven't done well in the past, anyway. So no, that's something they've lacked out for a long well, time. Well, not in actually. your not in your country, anyway. So no, no, who knows? Who knows, James? Who knows? Yeah, right, mate. Let's let's get into it. I think today we were going to have a chat around um, kind of semiotics and uh, and, yep. and and how we use that within safety. Uh, yep. correctly or, or incorrectly from your from your point of view so but to start off with for those that may not know what that is do you want to do you want to give us an introduction as to what semiotics actually is yeah well i i could i've actually got a couple of slides i could put on the screen if you want to share the screen and i could speak to that because it gives good context you can um, do. um just bear in mind that some people will listen to this without the visual so i can yeah that's yeah. fine so just make so, sure that but you, for those who do, do you want to do you want me to share the screen so you can? Yeah, have a you look? should be able to now, mate. Okay, let's have a look. Okay, so when I normally do studies in semiotics, I try to give it context so people can understand where it sits. Mm -hmm. And of course, the the best way to explain semiotics is to explain it semiotically. So uh, the concept of a map is is a very good semiotic concept uh, like concept mapping and so if you look at the social sciences in general um you put semiotics there on a strand of its own um somewhere between um i guess uh, sociology and psychology but but a lot of people don't know about semiotics as a, as a school of thought <clears throat> um and so, uh, in many ways, it's a, I guess it's a, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an unknown, particularly for the sciences. So mm. in Australia, if you study safety, you don't go into the so social sciences. You actually go into a faculty of science or a faculty of health. So um, uh, in Australia, 
you don't find any uh, work health safety qualifications situated within any of these schools of thought, which, of course, means that most of these schools of thought you're looking on the screen like anthropology, economics, ethnic studies, ethnography, geography, history, linguistics, political science, sociology, and all the branches of psychology, Mm. you find them not really covered at all in the risk and safety world, which is more more of a mechanical world, a measurement world, an engineering science world. It doesn't mean that that's wrong. It just means that safety over its history, a short 60-year history, has been quite narrowly framed Mm. so that many of these schools of thought that you're looking at here get no... um, I get they get they just don't get any folks at all within the risk and safety world. So if you have a look at this next slide, these are all the schools of semiotics within semiotics. So there are about three dozen different schools of thought within semiotics. Um, uh, just like there are, you know, maybe two hundred and fifty schools of psychology within psychology or, you know, two or three dozen schools of sociology within sociology. So when I map the, the size of the, uh, the, the, the concept of semiotics, which is the study of sign symbol systems, when, when you start to map it, you start to realise how big it is. And the biggest schools that exist uh, in uh, Esotonia, uh, in Tallinn, in um, Estonia and uh, in uh, Chicago in the United States. But interestingly, in Australia, there is not one school of semiotics in any of our universities here. So it, it gives you an interesting <clears throat> uh, overview of where semiotics sits. Um, but given that uh, safety and risk is very much um, uh, presenting itself in visual ways uh, and trying to market itself in various ways, I find it rather remarkable that that the industry is very much um, ignorant about semiotics or semiosis or the semiosphere or any of these uh, disciplines that actually exist. And when I, I throw out the possibility to people of, look, would you like to find out about these things? Most risk and safety people um, poo-hoo it and, you know, this is silly or this is off at a tangent or, you know, let's just get back to counting or mechanics or counting LTIs or whatever you're doing. And yet I don't think you can divorce um, the study of semiotics from um, any discipline that seeks to visualise or symbolise what it does. So that gives you a bit of a context to it. There are other maps I do when I study with my students. So within the study of semiotics, this is another map that can map for you just the incredible visual world we have. And there are there are three strands of semiotics that are quite obvious. There's, there's semiotics in the natural life. So biosemiotics, for example, studying anything. So a tree, in a sense, is a symbol. 
uh, a kangaroo can be a symbol. So you have zoosemiotics, uh, phytosemiotics, and anthroposemiotics, which is attached to humans. But then we have artificial life semiotics, and so much of our, our movies and our TV shows are very much around artificial life and supernatural life. So Star Wars, uh, Terminator, um, uh, Buffy, um, any of the any of the popular most popular movies of all time. In fact, I think the 20 most popular movies of all time are about artificial life and supernatural life. <clears throat> so semiotics tends to study these things uh, in popular culture, such as um, uh, supernatural semiotics in movies. So Harry Potter, um, The Matrix, and so on. All of this stuff shows that there's a huge thirst in popular culture for these things and yet in the risk and safety world um it doesn't even get a mention so that that does that give you i'll just switch the i'll just switch the sharing off does that give you a bit of an an overview of semiotics just how big it is yeah, i mean yeah definitely i think and i think that for, for me rob that's one of one of the issues is, is here is that i mean you mentioned that there's no appetite from safety and no I, I think from my point of view, there, there's a growing appetite. I think maybe there's not enough, but there's definitely a growing appetite for looking at psychology, sociology and, and stuff like that. Granted, semiotics has only just started to come up in the conversations. Mm. Um, from my experience and my crowd and my engagement, I think there is an appetite. Um, I think mm. it's growing, but it's slow. But I think one of the issues, Rob, is the, just the sheer varsity, the sheer scale of how much there is to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think when you touched on correctly, and I agree in that, you know, safety professionals are kind of doomed to fail prior to even getting started. All of our educational routes into our very engineering base, they're very then they're not even engineering based. They're very basic. They're very read this guide and then go tell everybody this is what the guide says. Yeah. So yeah. we're kind of, um, I kind of feel like, Rob, it's not really the safety profession's fault or the safety professional's no. fault. No. Um, no. I, I feel like we don't, we don't communicate to people studying psychology or, soci or sociology or any of those kind of practices that this is a viable career choice. Well, I I I can call it I call it compulsory miseducation um, because um, there has been opportunity over time, but the market's kind of been closed by the associations like IOSH and in Australia the Institute of uh, Health and Safety, mm. and it, it's very much been closed. I mean, I I called okay. for reforming I called for reforming the curriculum. Uh, 10 years ago in Australia, and there's been no thirst to even look at the very myopic view that people are educated. So you yeah. get to the basic, I get to the basic safety degree and the safety diploma we have here in Australia, and most people trained in safety when they leave their university or their training institution don't even know the very, very basic fundamentals of communication. Simple things like listening and conversation, observing and, and uh, engaging with others in a way that can get constructive outcomes, understanding simple things like 
motivation, goal setting, and the psychology of motivation and what makes people tick. All of these things Great. are excluded. All of them, all of them are excluded from the safety curriculum. And yet the moment a safety person gets out on site, that's all they want to know. Motivation, mm -hmm. what makes people tick? Why do they make decisions like they make decisions like they do? Not all this silly, oh, he's just an idiot and all this dismissive stuff. All of that stuff is missing. And uh, if safety was ever seriously about cultivating capable safety professionals, they would have to move away from what they're currently doing. Because mm. at the moment, I can't see anything professional being regurgitated out of the institutions. I mean, I, I've worked in six professions in my life. I'm not a young person. I worked in six and I would never compare safety to school teaching, social work, community services, the public service, the legal profession, the medical profession. I wouldn't even compare them. You cannot compare the education of a nurse. And I have a daughter who's a nurse and uh, I have a daughter who's a teacher. You could not compare them to a safety person and use the same word profession. They just There's just no comparison. So I don't use the word um, and I don't encourage the use of the word because I think until safety changes its focus and moves away from counting and mechanics and all that kind of quantitative stuff, unless it moves away from that, it's not going to move into becoming a helping profession, which, of which, of course, most professions identify themselves as a profession of helping. But if you look at any of the literature around safety identifying as a professional, it never uses the words care or helping. It never uses the words about caring and helping humans. And without that kind of language, it just becomes more of a, uh, I think it's quite an amateurish pastime and it prepares its people very poorly so that when you finally get out on site, the first thing people scream to me is, Rob, help me to connect with people better. Help me to be an articulate uh, conversant help me to be a good listener, help me to start to communicate because I'm not being effective and everyone thinks I'm a pain in the ass because I just roll out and tell them what the regulation says and they don't want to know. Mm. And so I, I, for the last 20 years, my business has gone absolutely gangbusters because the industry, and this is not the fault of people, people have no choice. They have to enroll in a diploma or enroll in a degree that teaches them all the wrong things mm -hmm. about what you do when you engage with people. You can't roll up on a building site and tell some plumber that he's doing something wrong because you know something about the regulation and you've never been a plumber before. And then the moment something goes wrong in Australia, they boot the safety person out and they bring in a lawyer who actually does know the act and regulation and the safety person completely disappears. So whatever they've learned about regulation and legislation is not used anyway. If there's a crisis, it's only used on this kind of temporary day-to-day -day basis. And most of the, I mean, you know, if you, if you get on a building and construction site in Australia and a safety person rolls on site, they usually use swear words to describe what they think of them. I don't know if it's like that in the UK, but it's not. 
it's not a it's it's not perceived as a help that you're not here to help me you're here to annoy me you're here you're here to tell me off or you whatever <clears throat> and so for for many of those reasons and more um i get very frustrated with an industry that uh seems locked into this kind of terrible narrative the safety is about telling people what to do it's more it's more it's more policeman like than it is helping like i i agree with everything you've said and i and i think in england we we have very much the same problem i would i would however say there is a growing contingent of people trying to stop that and and, oh, yeah, I, cool. I, and I, I think there's a there's a massive movement to this more for lack of even for lack of a better phrase the softer skills um mm. which it, it's a huge growing contingent for that and 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 but also i will i will i will kind of back up your point in that mm. and i i can only talk for england i haven't worked around the world so the the bodies the large bodies that either represent our profession or they represent our qualification uh routes have little to no appetite to even um make yeah. some serious change um yeah. and and i think we're starting to see a lot of pressure come on them um you know there's a lot of people leaving them a lot of people going over to oh, yeah. to to different professions you know you're seeing a bit of a a, a shift to um safety professionals i know you don't like the phrase but we'll, we'll no. use that for that for a conversation stake um you know moving over to bodies like the chartered industry institute of ergonomics and human factors because they're realizing yeah, yeah. that's where they want to go or whatever <clears throat> but ultimately yeah. rob like you don't speak very kindly of the kind of new view safety movement either which has all of that stuff that you've said like it, it talks about care it talks about you know psychology and sociology not much really, really? no not much at all now Did have you, a look at what they, well you know, you they look still like the safety have... differently movement, for example, safety differently is all about like ethical responsibility, care, you know, like all of that stuff. They Do never, you... isn't it? Well, is, isn't it interesting? So I find it interesting that you'll find nowhere in the safety differently movement at all a study of ethics or any mm -hmm. serious addressing of ethics outside mm -hmm. of using the word. Yeah, there's and, a significant lack of philosophy. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Oh, like, well, there's a significant well, lack. Okay, so so there is this naive clutching to a few slogans, mm -hmm. and if you scratch beneath the slogans, there's nothing that's different. Mm -hmm. There is no unique methodology to it, um, and I find it quite impoverished in the way it's tried to move away from traditional safety. So if you move over and you use the slogan of safety differently, I would suggest you need to do something that's different. And apart from having a few slogans and seeking to reduce clutter, I can't see a great deal of significant methodology within what they do because what they drift mostly back to is systems. They yeah. advocate the use of better systems they don't talk about moving away from the idea of putting all of our faith in excessive systems. They just talk about, well, our systems are different than the other systems. And I've done quite a good analysis of 
the different kinds of things that are thrown forward as better systems, and they're the same. It's the same stuff. Right. So, so one of the reasons I'm not so kind to uh, the Safety Differently group is, is I, I think if you scratch below the surface to serious matters like um, putting forward an ethic of risk, it's not there. And again, if you look at uh, the language, for example, um, if you jump on the Safety Differently uh, website and look at some of the blogs that they've put up, uh, man, oh, man, alive, it's all about quantitative safety. It's still the same. And so unless there is a significant shift away um, to embrace some of these other disciplines, which I would call a transdisciplinary approach, unless there's a move away from that same old engineering science stuff. And of course, look at the safety differently thing. It anchors itself to science yet again. We're still anchored to this quantitative um, uh, language about risk, um, then it's not going to move very much. So I, I, I can't see it. Um, I'd like to argue, and I've got friends in the safety differently movement, a Jeff Lith in Vancouver, I've visited numerous times. He's got some link of me up on the Safety Differently uh, website. He, he sees yeah. me as kind of part of that group. Um, I have no connection to Sidney Decker. I have no connection to Eric Holnagel. I have no connection to any of the so-called um, people or gurus in that, that movement. I have none, never have. I've tried to make connections to them but they don't want a connection to me. And I could tell you numerous stories about that. So um, <laughs> ultimately, though, Rob, like Eric Honag is a psychologist, as far as I'm aware. Uh, His background is psychology. Yeah, not like mine. No, it's a he is he is very. See, you can talk uh, a behaviorist is a psychologist. Yeah. Well, that's not a school of thought. I've got three seconds for. <laughs> Right. I'm not an object. I'm not the sum of inputs and outputs. And if if you want to go down that pathway, you're welcome to it, but it doesn't humanise people. So unless your area of psychology seeks to humanise people, um, and so you end up with human factors and organisational psychology still focused on systems. If you, It's such a funny thing, isn't it? You study human factors, but you don't study humans. If you study human factors, it's a study of systems, not humans. So what's the difference between that and what you do then? Well, what do, you, what do you study, if that makes sense? Okay, well, social psychology is a branch of psychology that puts the social reality of humans as the foundation. So you and I are right now in a social relationship, whether you like it or not. <laughs> here you are, here I am, and there's a space between us. Whether we agree or not is not important. Yeah. What, what is happening at the moment is there is a dialectic between you and me. There's a space between you and me of several thousand kilometres, and social psychology is very interested in that space, that dialogue between you and us, because what happens in that space makes you and I who we are. So... Mm -hmm. You probably identify as a son, as a brother. Uh, you identify as a mate or a friend. 
And all of those are social words for how we fundamentally identify ourselves. Yep. So human, human beings are fundamentally not an object, an individual object. We are social beings. And so social psychology starts from that base that the very foundation of your existence and your being came out of someone else. You have a mother. You have a father. Even mm. if your mother and father were in a test tube, you still have an origin in another human being, whether it was their sperm or their ova. Mm. And so in social psychology, we look at and we, we start with social being and we move from there out. Um, we don't start with humans as the individual. In fact, we say there's no such thing as an individual. There's no I. There's only I, thou. Um, and, and that foundation point instantly makes a difference to where you go to next. Okay. If you're a behaviorist or you're an organizational psychologist or an institutional psychologist, like quite a number in the Safety Differently group are, you don't end out moving away from this idea that um, uh, uh, systems serve me. What the story you get in the Safety Differently group and you get within organisational psychology groups is humans serve systems. And I throw that the other way around. Uh-uh. We create systems to serve us. If our systems don't enhance personhood, humanity and social being, then get rid of the system because mm -hmm. it's not helping you ethically to be a person. And so I don't serve systems. Systems are created to serve us as people. And I know it's a slight change, but it makes a huge difference to what the trajectory of the philosophy is. And so that's, that's where we come from. And of course, semiotics or sign symbol systems sit within that. Unless a symbol conveys something for us, to enable us, to humanise us, then the system is not working. So you get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And especially if something dehumanises people, which safety seems to be awfully good at, is you get rid of it. If the system, um, like let's say a zero system, a system that's based on zero brutalises human beings to get its outcome of zero, then it's not an ethical system. It's a crap system dump it and so that's the difference in between and there are lots of schools of um psychology lots um but social psychology is one of them it's it's got about a social psychology has been around for 80 years and um lots of people like behavioral economists like kahneman touch on it slightly um quite a number of the people um in uh the safety differently group touch on it slightly but in the end if you look at uh the linguistics of of um the safety differently group um the difference is in just marginal there, there is a difference but it's marginal and from my perspective if you've got an opportunity to go in a better margin then go for it so that's that's what I do. I tend I tend not to enter into too much debate with the group because um, 
I've tried in the past and they're not interested in, in a debate. So it doesn't happen. Do you think that, I mean, from my non-academic point of view, Rob, um, I think a lot of us practitioners get a bit fed up of all of these academics just arguing with each other. Yeah, and well, I'm not arguing with them. Yeah, well, but I understand practitioners would get sick of it because... Uh, we don't, well, we don't know where to look, mate. We don't know where to yeah, look no, no. because well, one a, says psychology, we, the other says social science. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, well, in, a, in Australia, most of the practitioners here would just call it a wank. <laughs> that, that's what Aussies would call it. I don't know if Pommies would call it a wank, but we would. Um, and so I, I tend not to work too hard in that space. So um, I deliberately have kept out of academia. Like I, I have written books which are not published outside. Uh, they're published outside of the academic field. I write blogs. I don't write academic papers. So I, I, you won't find me anywhere in the Journal of Safety Science or any of that sort of stuff. Um, I only wrote or I helped co-write one article with Sidney Decker um, because he doesn't know theology and I guess I was a foil for a, a paper he wanted to write about zero as a religion. But other than that, I'm, I... I'm not really in the academic field. And most of what I do is incredibly practical. It works. It's practical. It's very, very down to earth. Um, I've created heaps of practical methods that help you um, uh, undertake the job of safety on site. And most of the work I do, um, uh, you can read about the people who do my work. It, it works. It's, it's extremely practical. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not around. They're, they're trying to particularly, you know, win business or anything like that. I don't, I don't have to. It's like mm. I'm running, a, I'm running a, a workshop coming up in September uh, and I've got 50 people from Brazil have enrolled for the workshop. I don't know what it is about Brazilians, but they sure like the particular methods that I articulate. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned your blog and you mentioned communication a few times. And I, I think yeah. like the method of communication that you choose to use in your blog, Rob, is really aggressive. Like, like yeah, well, it's critical. It's not aggressive. It's what? Sorry. Well, it's your choice of words. It's critical. It's not aggressive. Okay. Okay. Well, I never insult. I never insult a person. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, for there's no, there's, maybe not there's directly, no, but no, indirectly. there's no direct. There's no direct attack on a person. I never have written ever. In fact, I usually personify the word safety as an archetype, which is a Jungian thing. And so I often talk about safety, what safety does. Mm. And it's a general archetypical uh, method which tends to generalise, but there's plenty of evidence for it, um, which tends to generalise things. Like, say, for example, if I was to talk about the safety curriculum, I could say this is what safety does. Yeah. And you would be struggling to find an exception to that rule, struggling, yeah. even globally. 
And so I have friends in the legal profession who rather scoffingly talk about the safety industry um, uh, and its astounding ignorance, which is what my legal friends would say, because one of the first things they do when someone gets killed on site or something like that, the first thing they do is they usually get the safety person and send them on holiday because they're, they're, an, an, a, they're a absolute um, embuggrance to the process of um, understanding the law. So um, uh, it's one thing to offer criticism. Uh, it's another thing, uh, it's another thing to, I think, attack people personally and or by name. I rarely do that. I mostly talk about the industry. And it is an industry, it's not a profession. It's very industrious. Most of the people who are out there touting safety stuff are making money out of it. It's about making money. It's not necessarily about money. Doing does make safety. the world go round, though. I mean, money's part yeah, of it. Yeah, sure, but it's not about make, sure, but it's not about making safety better. So you mean it's kind of profit over over impact, oh, I suppose? Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. Is there any I, other thing? I'm inclined to agree with, agree with that. Do you not think though, like sometimes? Well, because I, I think sometimes it's very similar to actually Dom Cooper, whether you, you, you get on with Dom or not, I, I don't know. But no. I think <laughs> no. I'm not surprised. No. I, and I think well, behaviors. Well, I, I do think that both you both have kind of similar kind of communication methods, very critical, you know, challenge a lot of, a lot of stuff and they're openly mm-hmm. critical. But ultimately, I think. Rob, like that gets kind of that overly kind of what I would say aggressive or critical nature kind of drowns out the value of what of what you're saying. So like you say, for example, like you don't personally attack someone, which I, I get, and I, you know, I can tell you're not a nasty guy. I can tell you, you you're doing it, this for all the right reasons. Um, so, but from my point of view, when I look at it, say that blog you wrote about semiotics the other day, you referenced my brand. My brand is, is personal yep. to me. So yeah, sure. a, a being critical of that brand is indirectly being critical of me. And I have seen blogs where you've done similar for, for, you know, Decker or, or Cooper, yeah, you know, fair. and, and that, so my, my point here, Rob, is that as a practitioner, when I read it, I'm just like, oh, this is just another piece of writing that's just angry at another piece of writing. And I struggle to walk away with something that, that, that actually helps me. So I, I wonder whether a lot more, if those, you know, those thought leaders, people like yourself, you know, were a little bit less like about attacking each other's ideas and more about like, to your point, actually just helping people do that, do some work. We might get further a bit or a bit more forward. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I, under, I understand that. But the things that I do that are critical are balanced out by at least two to one of solutions which are incredibly practical. So I don't just say, look at this, this this doesn't work. I say, okay, yes, that's right, this doesn't work. And what's astounding is you all know it doesn't work, which Mm. is astounding. And then when I criticise that it doesn't work, everyone starts defending, even though they know that paperwork doesn't work, then they criticise me for criticising paperwork, but then at the same time I propose heaps of practical solutions 
about what does work. Yeah. So it's not empty criticism. It's researched, founded criticism that has plenty of evidence for it. And so if, if you were looking for a positive, constructive alternative, I yeah. offer that. It's yeah. not just... It's not just criticism for its own sake. For example, from all the studies I've done in semiotics, surely if you wanted to choose an effective uh, semiotic that could penetrate the unconscious and heavily influence a, a group you were trying to influence, surely you would investigate the power of semiotics and what it could do and do better. It could be offered to you and say, look, in a way, uh, this is not as effective as this could be. Are you interested? Yep. Now, if, if you can't do that without criticism. And uh, one of the weaknesses of the risk and safety industry is it has not been cultivated over time to accept criticism because another weakness of the industry is is it's based completely on compliance. Agree yeah. with me. I know the law and the regulation. I just walked on site. I told you that's in the wrong place. I told you to fix it. Now comply. Yeah, I know and better. Of course, I know better. Don't contest my view. Yeah, and I agree. So, and so the policing compliance thing is kind of in the DNA of safety. So when someone comes along and says to you, look, um, and I understand Dom's point of view. I understand behaviorism. I get it. I don't agree with him, though. Um, there's a long history of behaviorism within the safety industry that demonstrates that it doesn't work. There's just huge amounts to show that behavior-based safety has had its day and it often leads into uh, that kind of brutalistic activity where um, you treat a, a person as a behavioural object. Yeah. And I'm not interested in that. Dom can have it if he likes, and he can probably make good money out of it if he likes. But, um, again, unless it has a social, ethical value, and unless you can show me that it respects persons and doesn't dehumanise persons, then I'll go with you. But if it mm. doesn't do those things, I'm not interested. We, mm. We've got a whole industry who's sick to death of being bullied by a safety officer. Mm. Everyone's, everyone's sick of that. So I agree. Where, do, where do we go next? So I, I'm happy to be critical of behaviorism, and I am, but I don't just leave it there. Here's an option. I'm not proposing empty criticism. I offer constructive stuff. So, so for example, the latest book I wrote, it works. It, it's, it's a whole book on how a large international company called Mondi Group in Europe, huge companies, one of the biggest international companies, how they have moved away from zero. They've totally dumped it, including their board of management and executives. It's taken them two years, totally dumped it, and now they do what works. They actually do practical things that work, that don't demonise people, that actually help people. Now... Yeah. So the criticism's not shallow. There are organisations who are doing it and they're, 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 they're getting the results, practical results from it. Yeah. So, yeah, you could say 
you could say that uh, I stir people up, yeah. Um, you could call that aggressive if you like. Um, I, I don't think there's any problem with, with being critical. I don't think there's any, any, I actually welcome people stirring this profession up because I actually agree with probably 90% of your criticisms of our profession. Um, I agree with everything you said. And, but what I, what I do see, Rob, from my opinion is I think there's a bit of a lack of, of maybe a lack of charity to the fact that we're not educated as social psychologists or, or philosophers or anything. So to us, it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, but we, we don't have the answer. So for example, you said about what, surely you would, surely you would um, look into semiotics when you're, when you're kind of creating a symbol or something like that. Well, surely you would, but put yourself in my shoes of someone who's got zero, you know, scientific, psycho sure. psychological, sociology, kind of sociology kind of background. Yeah. Mate, it wasn't, it wasn't until a couple of months ago, I even knew what semiotics was. So no, I wouldn't have looked yeah, sure. into it. Sure, but but like all people, you go if you need something medically, you go to a general practitioner or to a surgeon. You go yeah. if you don't know something, you go to it. It's only in the safety industry that you don't. Mm. Okay. You don't look if there's some if you if you've got a pain in your chest this afternoon, yep, yeah, you're going to fix it yourself or you're going to call the doctor or the hospital or or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So then we don't consult risk, with people yes, that of know. Course, of course we don't. Yeah. Yeah. What safety when safety uses the word consult, it means tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't mean ask. Now, I, I'm not an engineer. And and if I've got a problem around my house, like I had a couple of weeks ago, a plumbing problem, I call a plumber. Yeah. If I if I tried to fiddle it with myself. I turn a $5 job into a $5,000 job. Yeah, you and me both, um, mate. <laughs> I, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned early, don't touch it. Yeah. You don't know. And so, uh, for example, I've got several, I'm, I'm an older person. I've got several um, uh, medical problems, which I've had for quite some time. One I inherited from my father. And I've had three bouts of surgery in the last nine months to work on this particular thing. Now, I completely can trust the surgeon. Yeah. My surgeon has is one of Australia, in fact, he's the world leader in addressing this particular esophageal problem I have. Now, what's interesting is the moment I go into his surgery and he starts turking, talking, I don't understand a single word he's talking about. Yeah. But I have no choice but to throw my trust in him because I don't know. Yeah. So this is the problem about education for consultation. Uh, we tend to find, even within the Australian Institute of Health and Safety, we want to know something about ethics, we get a safety person to write it. You want to know something about English history, we get a safety person to do it. If you want to know something about psychology, we get a safety person to do it and so on. It seems that safety thinks it can do everything when it can't do very much at all. And so if you were in the medical profession or the legal profession, the moment you get caught, you consult outside of your profession to others who are specialised. It's what joined me and a lawyer together why we wrote a book together on due diligence. 
He doesn't know anything of, at all about what I do, and I know next to nothing about what he does. And so we came together in, to, to write about due diligence, and we prepare a lot together. But, but, but the problem of, the, see, charity is also in dialectic with criticism. So if you, if you chase the idea of charity, it goes all the way back to the Apostle Paul. Now, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to bore you with theology, right? But the Apostle Paul wrote a book about charity to a church in, in Turkey that he criticised the living bejesus out of. He took them to shreds in various letters. So there was a huge city on the uh, west coast of Turkey, and he wrote them a letter, and this is the word charity, where it came from. It actually means benevolence and kindness and love. That's yeah. what the word charity is interpreted. But if you go back to the source of it, the idea of, of loving someone doesn't actually mean blind compliance. No, loving is telling them what they don't want to know as well as it is. Yeah, that's correct. So, it, so, so, so for me, it's the balance. I'll offer criticism. And I'll give you the balance to it, which is there is another, there is something better than that. Mm. You can keep doing engineering and science till the days come home, if you like. You can keep doing that. But there's a whole heap about that strategy, which we already know doesn't work. Why would you keep doing more of the same? Yeah. Oh, so, okay, so I offer some criticism, but then I offer you help. There is a way forward i would challenge you to sign up to a free course i do free stuff because i'm retired and so i get inundated with people who want to learn some of this practical stuff and it's incredibly different and so um it's not as if one is without the other now if i was just blindly critical without offering an alternative then that would not be charitable but i think sometimes it's like some people call it, call it tough love. I don't, I don't like the word tough love. Like I don't like the word soft. You, before you referred to, you know, soft approach. Yeah. Uh, there is no, there is no, I, I don't, I don't like the language of soft and hard. No, that that makes yeah. a sense. That makes a sense like hard's better. I call, yeah. I call them hard skills and people skills, yeah. not soft and hard. So yeah. the alternative to the hard approach you know, the science, data, quantitative, counting stuff yep. is people stuff. It's not soft. It's actually just as tough and just as hard. Yeah. So <clears throat> somewhere along the line, we've got to reframe our language and get away from this bias towards the hard stuff. And that's the stuff I'm critical of, but I provide you with, in, in that form of communication, critical. But the alternative is there. Now, that's very, very similar to the Apostle Paul in the first century. He wrote to a bunch of Christians who were having sex in a cult with, with sons with their mothers, right? So it was incest, right? So, so this was an early church in the first century practicing incense as part of their cult, and he ripped them to shreds and said, you shouldn't be having sex with your mother. <laughs> now, you could say that was aggressive. But, that's, he provided, that's a point. That's a point. but he provided them with an alternative and says, here's a more humanized way. Stop using your child as an object. Mm, yeah. I, I think that's a really, very fair 
return on on that, Rob. And the, I and I and I would I would kind of echo that that's something that we see a a lack of actually. Um, we see a lot of criticism from from other academics or other kind of thought leaders, but we don't see a lot of stuff, you know, especially for free. There's there's very well, little for free. It normally uh, sits behind a six hundred pound, you know, paywall to yeah, get to yeah, a well, workshop where we hear the I, same I love- shit. I love this this latest one percent safer movement in Europe, where you pay thirty six thousand euro for a signed book and a and a lecture. Mm. Wow. Mm. Well, uh, six of my books are free. I'm about to release a seventh one for free. This this one here, the handbook, that's coming up for free because I'm celebrating in 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 two more blogs. I'm celebrating a thousand blogs. I've written a thousand blogs in ten years. Oh wow! So that's well so that's a hundred blogs a year, <clears throat> and there'll be another free book. There's lots of free videos, and now I have a I I've I've done for over two years now since I turned sixty five. I've been offering free online courses, so there's no impediment for you to embrace the alternative. So yes, I offer criticism, but don't. Don't shout that down and then say, oh, you don't have an alternative. Yes, I do. They're all there. It's free. It's available. It's your choice if you don't take it. But then your reverse criticism of my criticism is shallow. Yeah. And I don't I don't know anyone in the risk and safety world that offers stuff for free that's constructive and practical. And there are countless people. In fact, the last blog I wrote offering the free course again, I put testimonies of people from the UK and Australia and Brazil in there of what they said they got out of the course. Yeah. So I don't know that I can do any more. Um, and I, I, I understand, respect your criticism of um, aggressive and not charitable um, or not benevolent Um and it is a dialectic. It is it is a difficult space to be. Yeah. You can be, you know, you can have a person on site who can com- can be completely compliant. That's not what you want. Compliant people on site are not safe people. Mm. If all I do is blindly follow the advice given by the GM or the CEO and it's not contested, then no one learns. So mm. there's a that you you if you're a good CEO you have to invite um, critical contestation and, and I'm happy to have the debate. That's why I'm here with you. Mm. If I if I didn't want the debate, I I wouldn't be talking to you. But yeah. let me tell you, there's there's I have never apart from uh, the the one that you heard me on uh, with uh, Nippon. Nippon. Apart from Nippon. Not one single person within that school of thought has ever wanted to have a chat. Mm. And I just mean a conversation. Yeah. So, Fair enough. Well, I've tried pretty hard. <laughs> I've tried hard, let me tell you. I, I don't embarrass the people who, who uh, are involved in it, but um, I made some pretty significant efforts to build bridges with those people, and they're not interested. Mm. I, I've, one, I've one one last question for you, Rob, yeah, before we yeah. kind of nip this in the bud. And, and it kind of came in my head as you were talking about your kind of um, 
use using a medical profession you use a medical profession quite a lot as a as a kind of yeah, good example yeah. of as a profession yeah. when when i kind of look at the the medical profession the amount of different careers and yeah. professionals or specialists within a medical profession yeah. you you probably couldn't count like they're just that yeah. many of them isn't there you know it's whether you go it's unbelievable it's yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right you don't have a medical professional. You have, you know, a, a series of different types of medical professionals. Do yeah, you, yeah, yeah. If, if you were to kind of, if you were to kind of dream the perfect example of a safety profession, would it actually, because we're based on generalists, like that's, that's literally what we are based as. We are kind of jack of all trades, master of none. We're lawyers, we're engineers, we're, we try to be psychologists, sociologists. Yeah, exactly. Would you, if you were to kind of redesign the safety profession, would you model it on that kind of model of the medical profession? And uh, yes, you're a safety professional, but you're a kind of sociologist specialist within safety. You're, you know, a kind of safety psychologist, safety sociologist, safety engineer, safety lawyer, and so on, or risk lawyer, or whatever you want to call it. If, if, if that was to happen all of the associations on safety worldwide would have to disband and move away from engineering. Oh, agreed. Um, yeah. The, the curriculum would, we would need significant reform, mm -hmm. a significant reform. Um, uh, if I look at say um, some of the professions I've been a part of uh, in my career, um, let's take two social work and school teaching. Both social work and school teaching are generalist professions. Within the, within the education profession, there are as many professionals as there are um, uh, doctor's professions, um, specialists within education. A school teacher is a generalist within a broad um, uh, profession of education. So within that education sphere, you can get all sorts of specialities, not just school teaching. Um, so within social work, it's quite similar. Within social work, you can get youth work, community work, uh, prison work, and so on. Um, I, I think safety is a long, long way uh, about moving to that transdisciplinary approach. Um, I think it's locked itself in, unfortunately, politically, over um, uh, its, its short 60 years or 70 years of evolution. Um, I mean, for quite some time, the American Association of Professionals used to be known as the American Association of Safety Engineers. Mm. They only changed their name two years ago. Same in Canada. They used to be known as Safety Engineers. Mm. And so um, th that change has only come about, but nothing's changed. They've changed the name from engineer to professionals, but it's still a still engineering. Yeah, it's still engineers. Mm. And whenever we have a major crisis here in Australia and, and it goes to court or there's an investigation. Um, so, for example, there was a big, uh, big theme park in Australia called Dream World up yep. in Queensland where four people died in a, a rapid river ride. Yeah. And... So this terrible situation, how four people were killed. Who did they call in? Safety people? No way. They called in 13 different kinds of engineer, one lawyer, 
and one behavioral psychologist. Safety people were banished. Mm. They're not lawyers and they're not any of, they just don't fit. Well, we're, we're not even engineers. Like, I, I no, look you're at not my, engineers either. You know. I look at my educational route and I, and I, and I, and I can kind of see what you know, many times, even now, what, 10 years into, into my career within safety, I look at it and go, you know, really, what am I? Like, I'm not an engineer. I'm definitely not an engineer. Like, definitely not. Yeah. I'm definitely not hey. a psychologist. I'm definitely yeah. not a sociologist. I'm kind of no. this, this this weird max weird mix of of, of all of them. Um, and I, so you you kind of sound like you're saying that there is a place for a generalist, but that generalist yes. needs to be supported by specialists, and it's a specialist in which we lack within the safety profession. Uh, yeah, it's both, but also I think safety would be much better off if it called itself a helping profession and got out of this idea that just being a generalist is enough. If you are a generalist and you are a helper, that is a very, very good position Mm. to have. Mm. One, you know your limitations. Mm. Hey, I'm just here to help. I'm not an expert. I I, I can't cut you open and play with your brain Um, and I'm not an engineer. I can't tell you the stress on that bridge or I can't tell you, you know, the perfect in and outs of some, some, you know, complex system. Like a a GP. Yeah, very much like a GP and they know their limits. And so if I go to my GP and I say, I've got something. And then the doctor listens to me and says, you know what, here's a referral off you go. Um, that's the role the generalist plays. Mm. But if you look at Inchpo's um, description of generalist and professional, it's 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 gobbledygook. It's it's they merge the two together. They they the only difference they can make between the professional and they do this here in our association is the practitioner and the professional are only separated marginally by the number of degrees they have. Mm. So it's a very messed up industry. And uh, I've argued many, many times, look, what does an advisor really do? If I came on site and I saw my job is I'm just to help, I'm only here to help. And if I can't help, I won't do anything, right? I'm here to help. If safety took on that view, guess what? People would start liking them. I think a lot of safety practitioners are starting to see that shift. Maybe there's yeah. maybe there's a lag in the older side of the profession, and there's yeah. definitely a lag in our professional bodies. Like that, yeah. they. I think I think they they like to communicate that as a headline, but I think mm. we've seen in we've seen in recent articles, for example, one on how to do an investigative interview or how oh. to do. That, that was not caring at all. That was. Oh, that's why I I I ripped that one to shreds twice. But, but and that this is my point, Rob. Maybe I, I was think, aggressive, uh, eh? <laughs> all right, fair enough. I'll take that. I'll take that that criticism. Um, <laughs> I think if you if you look at the outpour, Rob, of yep. people that that were so critical of that article, yep. Yep. that is evidence that what you're doing. Yes, it is. Is, yes, is, is. Is, is working so and that's that's my original point in that yeah. i think sometimes you, you talk about safety as it like the majority of people are police officers and so on actually i think it's shifting i really think it's shifting yes really it is fast. it is i'd agree with that um 
I guess if I had my biggest beef, it's with these eye ushers and inch pose and associate. You and me both, mate. Yeah, you and me completely both. Completely politicised yeah. into a narrow financial band because they're all struggling. They're losing members bleeding out the back door. Yeah. Um, people don't like that brand of safety anymore, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. The only thing they know that they shouldn't do is listen. <laughs> That's yeah. the only thing they're convinced of doing is don't listen to criticism. And yeah. because they're sealed within this, this kind of political fortress, it ends up fragmenting the sector and they could easily take on that model that, that you suggested, like the, the general practitioner within the medical profession. Yeah. They could easily take that on if they moved away from the mechanical to safety is about helping. Mm. Now, safety is about helping. You've got, get, you've got to get rid of zero. Mm. And the mm. reason why I left the association here is the day they went to zero, I left. Mm. You can't help anyone if your motto is zero. Mm. So yeah. there's the tension. So I, I would easily go back in the association if it was broad and got rid of this silly zero staff which is all about counting numbers counting numbers it's like have we learned nothing mm. counting injury injury rates is not helping anyone anyway i've had my say i've probably said too much no and that that's the thing rob like i i, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go today but i knew we'd agree on a lot of the criticism that, that you have like i i completely i've spent the last the last year deeply within IOSH, but prior the the prior the year prior, um, volunteering because I was so critical of them. And somebody said to me, Hey, have you ever tried to change them? I said, No, fair enough. That's a good challenge. I haven't. So I volunteered for a year and I just got shut down. Like every time I wanted to say something, whenever we as a group wanted to, because I was part of a, a whole group of people that wanted to bring some significant change. Um there's just no appetite. They just shut us down. Yep. Um, and yep. so and I agree. They, shut you down. they turn you into a political problem. That's worse. Oh, yeah. So, for example, yeah. in Australia, in our association, I had the highest rank. Well, they call it a chartered fellow, right? Mm. They made me a chartered fellow. But if you offer any criticism, even as a chartered fellow, it's there's the door, leave. So when I criticise safety, there's a bit of a benchmark set by the orthodox associations. Mm. The funny thing is the only way to really move beyond that kind of this is safety is, in fact, to leave it yeah. and, and to subvert it. Hundreds and hundreds of people who come and study with me don't belong to any of that stuff anymore. They don't recognise any identity to it. They don't see any of it helpful. They don't want to pay fees because they've got nothing from their fee. They're not interested in 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 the brand, so to yeah. speak, um, and and so and so I've there's left. this whole movement yeah, of people leaving, but the orthodoxy, the traditional, it's not shifting at all. No, no. shift at all. No, it will it's like probably an oil take tanker that doesn't want to turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and often what happens over a period of time is someone will develop a subversive, um, uh, competitive association which often happens, 
a bit like in rugby league or rugby union or soccer. You know, if we don't like what FIFA's doing, well, we'll start up our own one and stuff yeah. you. Yeah. And yeah. and that kind of fragmentation actually helps in the end. And you find over time in history that they either re-emerge because they learn their lesson or one fades out because no one wants anything to do with them anymore. Mm. And, and I don't know where that will go, but I don't think I'll be around to see it. Mm. But in the meantime, if I can be a bit of a troublemaker, I'm happy to be a bit of a troublemaker yeah. because yeah. I, I'm yeah. inundated by the people who want to learn a different way of doing safety, to do it more humanely, more, more people-centred, more helping-centred. So I just concentrate on that. I like that, Rob. And I, I will accept your earlier challenge and I will check out your free course. Um, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna stab a guess the time difference might might keep me up at night. But oh well it's it's yeah, it's not too good. It's it's uh it's nine a.m. that suits me on a that would, would put you at eleven or twelve at night. Eleven, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you can sign up yeah. and still watch the videos. Oh, okay. So, so you can get it later on. You just can't. Yeah, do it yeah, live. You, yeah. You can yeah. watch it later on and little homework exercises. Do you get to go on site much? Like, do you go on work sites much at all in your job? Yeah, not as much as I'd like at the moment, but but yeah, definitely. So I, I'm the head of safety for a, a trade association. So we kind of try okay. and guide members and in, so we go to their site and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So so you could watch it on video later. And yeah. then practice the tools on site, and then you could tell me whether they work or not. Yeah. All right, mate. I'll accept your challenge. I Pleasure. And challenge. lovely to meet you, James. Likewise. And I will yeah. hopefully do it again sometime. I think there's about a million different conversations we could have had yeah. within that one conversation. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, do you want to give a quick shout out? I know you've mentioned your free books, your free courses. How can people get that stuff? They're just going, oh, your- well, they just. Uh, well, they can jump online. Uh, uh, oh, gee, just uh, they should just jump online and search Dr. Robert Long, or they can find it all the links through the uh, the RiskX blog site, or they can type in Human Dimensions. But you do any type in Google and put my name, and it'll jump up. Yeah. Um, and and again, just follow links. Um, free books, free videos, free courses, lots of stuff going. So I'm running a free course on ethics at the moment, and and that's bang, it's going great. Yeah, I think I um one of um I run like a little mastermind community on the side, and one of our members is is on your course, I believe. Um, is that Sean? No, another no, one. No, uh, Graham Wales. Oh, Graham, Graham Wales. yeah, yeah. He's up to his neck in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he said it was good actually. Oh, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I've just gone on to humandimensions.com. I can see the yep. books on there that are, that are free. If, and and there's a link free, there to cheap. videos as well. You just follow the links. There's so much there. Nice one. All right, buddy. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'll, Pleasure. Uh... Good to meet you. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that conversation. We got into quite a lot of stuff there. Uh, I've had this one sitting behind the scenes for a long time, so I'm glad we can get this one out. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought. Please do let me know what you thought. This is a... This is a big conversation space. Obviously, you know, we know if if you know Dr. Rob Long, you know he's quite provocative in some of his posts and his and his blogs and so on. He's got a lot to say and it's a very good conversation starter. So I'd, I'm really keen to know what you thought about our conversation, whether you agree, whether you disagree. I have definitely 
took a lot away from that chat that I've used actually going forward in, in my kind of work. So let me know what you thought. If you liked it, rate, review, share, whatever. We appreciate everything you do. Like, comment, dislike if you want. Whatever does, you know, every little helps. It all does help. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you got some value out of it as well. Don't forget to check out Paradigm Human Performance HSE subscription service. And don't forget to check out Paradigm's learning organization webinar as well. You can get more details on their website below. Or if you want to contact them straight away, you can give them a call in the using the phone number below. And you can also email them if you want to using the email address below as well. If you want to find out more about what I'm doing, or you need to connect LinkedIn, Twitter, all everything's all in the description below. Don't forget to follow Rebranding Safety as well. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, we're, we're, we're there. You're going to get all the notifications and stuff, you know, they'll keep yourself updated. Or you can go to rebrandingsafety.com if you want to do some work with us. If you want to become a better safety professional, then check out projectmeletium.com. Website in the description below because it can't be asked to spell Meletium. But ultimately, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.